Awesome. Uh, welcome back to Free Game Productions. We have a very special episode. My 37th birthday. Um, yeah, yeah, thank you. And my, my buddy from high school, middle school, played the cross together. I, ironically enough, or not ironically, naturally enough. I just saw the picture of our high school senior lacrosse pictures. Um, my buddy Steve Bond, he is the executive producer for Bussin' with the Boys. Did I get that correct? That's right. That's and right. Won an Emmy in 2018 uh, for his behind the camera work. And what's really cool to see is Steve knew he wanted to do this in like 10th grade. <laughs> Which is crazy, right? First of all, happy birthday. I completely forgot that it was your birthday. So happy birthday. Thank Apparently, you. I don't check Facebook enough to Dude, keep track of all that stuff. But. Uh, yeah, I mean, literally, I remember 10th, it was, it might have been even earlier than that. I wanted to, I thought ESPN was the route. Like, I thought, you know, Chris Berman, Al Michaels, all those guys. What a legend Berman was. Oh, yeah, it still is. Still right. is. So, Do you think there'll ever be another Berman? No, because it was uh, the perfect time and the perfect place, and ESPN, ESPN became this behemoth, you know, and he was in every home in the country, whether you wanted him or not. Now... The way content is, you have to seek people out. So it's much different. Right. So that kind of leads us into a um, beautiful question is, who's your Mount Rushmore of people in the media or people you've worked with? So, Actually, people you've worked with. Yeah, let's do people I've worked with then. Okay. Um, this is a very difficult list. And it's not... It's weird for me to even say this as like a humble brag because I hate to go down that route. I don't typically do podcasts. I'm like I'm more behind the scenes now. Well, thank you. Thank so you. it's it is not. It's, I listen. I appreciate the invitation, my man. Yeah. This is this is a tremendous honor. Um, I, I would say uh, the top two are Mike Pereira and Dean Blandino, um, two guys that I worked with at Fox who started everything for me. I, I started producing their digital show in 2020. 2020, I think. Yeah, it was 2020 um, before the pandemic hit. And they have been incredible to me. I still can call and text these guys to this day. They'll pick up the phone for whatever reason. They still like me. I don't know why. Nice, nice. Um, but yeah, those two really started um, the, my kind of rebirth and re-career. And it led me to DraftKings. And it led me to eventually this this job with busting with the boys and i think the next two would have to be will compton and taylor luan uh, to round out my my mount rushmore and it's it's difficult because i've i've worked with some great names and you know brent musburger's one and you know michael lombardi's another so like there are guys that are unfortunately left off that probably shouldn't be that is so cool um that you've worked with legends like that so your first gig on the um who was your first one with? It was in Syracuse. I remember you had a podcast. I remember we were talking yeah. about I was going to be like a boxing analyst. Yeah, which was wild, right? I so, was boxing at the time. Yeah, you were boxing at the time. So I had, um, I, I, for like six, seven years, I was a local sports guy, right? And I did the regional thing here in, in upstate New York, basically north of the Tappan Zee Bridge. I was, I was on air for like high school stuff for Syracuse University. Whatever they needed, I was just talent for, basically. Um, and at that same time, what I had realized, the reason I had left local was I saw what was happening in the digital space and that I, it was clear as day what had happened to radio and newspapers before them. And I could see what was going to happen to local TV. And I realized, I got to get out of this. This is not going to be around very long. It's going to evolve they don't know it's going to evolve. So that means that they don't know where this thing's going. And I don't want to be on a, a ship in the middle of the ocean without any direction. So it's I sort of, of took... a blessing that you yeah. didn't get your career started yet. You were just getting started. Uh, yeah, and it's I've had to kind of reinvent myself along the way because like I said, I thought Chris Berman, I thought you know Al Michaels, I thought that was the path. And what I realized was my leadership ability and capability and really the desire to be a leader was not going to come to fruition if I was behind the camera because you've got to take direction. Someone else is constantly your boss. You don't, you just kind of show up, do what you do, and then leave. And that's the beauty of it. If you, if you like that, there's a, a beautiful thing in having the ability to show up, jump in front of a mic, jump in front of a camera, 
and then leave when that stuff is done, right? It's just that wasn't fulfilling for me. I realized I needed something more. And so getting behind the scenes, getting behind the camera sort of kickstarted this whole career. And, and you know, I bugged Fox Sports enough to the point where a, a VP of talent acquisition called me and said, what do you want to do? I want to be on the digital team was my response. And he said, great, do you want to be in New York or LA? And I had no preference. He said, how does LA sound? That's where the digital team is based. Perfect, let's go to LA. Have you ever been? I said, yes, that was a complete lie. I had never been to LA and I just didn't want to freak them out because I'm an upstate New York kid, right? right? right. Like this is the complete opposite of Los Angeles. So I, I didn't want to freak them out. It was like, yes, I had been there. It's fine, I can do whatever and just sort of reassured them that I could do this enough to where... I got there and then it was, you know, put your nose to the grindstone. We come from an upstate, you know, New York blue collar town. That's what, even if you didn't grow up blue collar laying bricks or whatever it was, there's still that mentality here. Everybody here is a worker. Everybody is. And everyone knows a work ethic, right? You have to, because it's, it's crazy hours in the winter of, you know, shoveling snow before you go to school, before you go to work, whatever it may be, you come home and you kind of have to do the same thing. And then it's just rinse and repeat day after day. There's a grind to living in adverse conditions that you're just not going to get in LA. You're not going to get it in Florida, right? It's just there's it's just not the same yeah, yeah. breed of cat that'll it'll work in these different places and live there. So we have that sort of mentality, and that's what I brought to Fox Sports, and it was vastly different than the people that were there. And so I think that helped me stand out. Okay. Um, so how long were you in LA for? In what years? What did you do in LA actually? Uh, so in LA, I was a digital producer at Fox Sports. Um, and it was, I started in 20, literally January 2nd, 2018 was my first day. And it was like the national championship for college football. That was my first day of work at Fox sports. So, so you walked right into that, got an Emmy your first year. Yeah. I mean that summer, um, we started, uh, that summer we had the, the world cup, the rights to the world cup. And I wasn't part of the crew because I was so new. I wasn't part of the crew that was sent to Russia. It was a very small crew. It's Russia. It is what it is. Yeah. Um, it was a very small crew that was sent. And one, because the TV crew was massive. So the TV side is always going to have all the rights. They're going to get the, the preferential treatment for now. That's the way it is. The digital team had a smaller presence, but there was a team of us back in Los Angeles constantly churning out content. And so, I mean, listen, was I a major player? No. And I'm not, I'll, I'll always say that, listen, I was a backup quarterback that won a champion, that won a Super Bowl, right? It, the still, Emmy's still, still the same. Ring. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the ring is still there. Like it's, I would much prefer to have one that I lead, right? And that's just the mentality. Like I think everyone would rather just be the starting quarterback. But I mean, listen, it's, I, I don't carry it with me. It sits in my mom's house. It, it's, it's with her. She helped me get to that place, so it's only right that it stays with her. I don't, you know, someday I'll pass it down to kids if, if we get that far. Yeah, yeah. So far, I've been shooting blanks, but, you know, it's, <laughs> it is what it is, right? So uh, it, it's, a, it's a tremendous honor to have that, right? Like I can, it's a conversation piece. It's, it's a nice thing to toss on the top of a resume. I was going to say, the resume, I'm sure that helps. It, it definitely does, right? Like it, it gets you in, it, a buddy of mine, when, when I won it, I didn't buy it at first. If you're not an executive, you have to purchase these things. It's how that it's how it goes. And I wasn't going to purchase it. So you have to buy your Emmy that you won. I have to buy an Emmy. Yeah. That's it's how they make money. It's part of how they make money. So Wow. It's it, it's not a bad deal, honestly. When I look no, back no, on yeah, it, it's yeah. like five hundred bucks and it's like eh. But now you have an Emmy and that you, you yeah, won. That you've got it, right? Like it's it's now you've got it. But I didn't I didn't want it because I felt like a backup quarterback. And that it drove me up a wall. And a buddy of mine said, Listen, it's not a thing to brag about. It's an investment. You buy it, you put it on your LinkedIn, and suddenly you're now qualified for jobs that are $10,000 more than you, you know, thought you could make or 20,000 or whatever. 100%. It, is. it didn't end up working out like that for me immediately, but it definitely helped get me in the door, right? It gets you are suddenly looked at with a little different respect than if you didn't have one. And listen, there are a ton of really good content creators, a lot of smart people that have never won one. Have you um, have you heard the Kobe Bryant thing? He was coaching his girls' basketball team. I don't remember what grade, and they win like fourth place or something like mm -hmm. that, right? And the girls don't want to get the trophy. Yeah. And Kobe goes, "Get the fucking trophy." Yeah. 
and hang it wherever you're going to see it every day and have that motivate you. Yeah. So you get a first place trophy. It, that's kind of what that it's sounds the mentality, like. right? Like it's, I think about it and I go, okay, I was a, I was a cog in the, in the greater system there. And that's a really cool thing because I contributed something, whatever it was, I contributed something that got us to this place. It wasn't a huge piece, right? Like I know the, the folks that were over in Russia grinding out the daily content there, they were a massive piece and a massive reason why we got that. But what it does is, you're, to your point, it motivates you. And it, listen, either one way or the other, you're either going to look at it and go, man, I was really proud of that fourth place trophy, and that's great, and that's your mentality. Or you're going to look at it and go, I wish it was a first place. Right. It just, it depends on your perspective and how you want to view things. Right. And also, I imagine it allows you to see what an Emmy award winning team operates like. 100%. Like, in, in business, it's super important. Like, people that want to start a business, I usually suggest like work somewhere else for somebody that's super successful, who cares about the pay, mm-hmm. but see how they operate. Yeah. Right. And it's like, okay, cool. So when I run my own thing, I'll take seven of the 10 things that they do. And then you incorporate your other three. I take things from Fox sports to this day. Right. And it's, I left there after four years. It was a, it was a great run. I'm really appreciative of the time that I had there. But there are pieces that I'll take that are a chip on my shoulder, and there are pieces that I'll take that I'll implement in other places, and there are things that I've implemented in the places I've worked since in DraftKings and Bussin. So, yeah, it's, I, again, it's, I didn't advance at Fox, and it's due to a number of different reasons, right? Like, it's, I didn't have a background at ESPN. I didn't come from, you know, NFL Network or Bleacher Report or any of these great organizations, but it was a starter for me, and it got me in the door at a place like DraftKings, right? If I didn't have Fox Sports on my resume, if I hadn't produced guys like Mike Pereira and Dean Blandino, I don't get the opportunity to go produce Brent Musburger and uh, and Michael Lombardi, right? Like these are established guys. Brent's a legend. Michael is incredible. I don't get those opportunities without the Fox Sports thing. So I, you take it in in the bubble that it is. It was a hard four years. I had to cut my teeth there. But I did it. I got the the hardware. I got the experience with network talent. I I you know was able to to make great friends with two guys and Mike and Dean that I'll take with me for the rest of my life. And you know it, I'm very grateful for that. So tell, tell me what it was like working with Brent Musburger, and and DraftKings and the whole Amazing. gambling program. That has to be such a different. So <laughs> side note: Hopefully you're getting an Adam Sandler movie. Yes. Yeah. Oh man, that would be. Oh man, that would be funny, right? It's uh. So Brent is an absolute legend. I had worked with Michael for like a year when Brent decided he was done with the Raiders. He had done the play-by-play thing with the Raiders for a a year or two, I want to say, and was ready to be done with it. I think the Raiders wanted to go in a different direction. What year was this? Boy, this was 2021. He's got to be in the College Football Hall of Fame, right? He might be. I don't know. That's a really good question. I never asked him. So Brent started, and, and the way Brent got going was he was a newspaper guy in Chicago and then worked his way up to eventually get to CBS NFL Today was the first NFL pregame show. He was the host of it, right? Okay. This was Jimmy the Greek, all those guys, oh, wow, that, wow. right? Okay. So yeah. like that, that great 30 for 30 shows you the window into that whole relationship. But Brent was the, the top guy, right? And the... The, the phrase, you are looking live, harkens back to gamblers, right? And so Brent would have his guys in Vegas and, and you know, my guys in the desert, as he, he would often say. People wanted to know uh, why they couldn't do live shots of certain things or what, what, why they couldn't do a weather report or why they couldn't, right? And so Brent got to thinking, okay, what we need then is a live shot from the stadium and I can tell gamblers what the weather is without having to do a weather report because they simply didn't have time. It was like a half an hour show. They've got to get to all these games. It's a tight window. It's not like a podcast form where you've got you know however long right, we, right. however long the conversation goes is what you have. He had a certain amount of time, and so what he what he did is he went to the producers and said, "Let's get a live shot from the stadium. We don't need a weather report at that point because it's showing you what the weather is, and I can just say you are looking live, and that's where the phrase comes from." which is incredible. So yeah. he's nuts, right? Like Brent is, Brent's sharp as a tack to this day. He's in his 80s, sharp as a tack, still gambling, constantly working <laughs> lines, figuring is out that, the is angles. That legal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, he bounces between, I don't know if it's legal in Montana, but I know it's legal in Las Vegas and he has a place There's in Las Vegas. There's not many sports in Montana. 
No. Yeah. There's, there's not much there, right? It's, you're just up there for fishing and hunting and, yeah, you know, it's recreation. Beautiful. We're just there, but I, I, I would love to go one day. I've, I've yet to be, um, yeah. So Brent in, in Vegas, it's been legal for decades, right? Like any, it's the first guy to bring sports betting. Um, it's based on the, the movie casino, Sam Ace Rothstein. So it's yeah. Frank lefty Rosenthal put the first sports book in a no casino shit. on the strip. It's one of my favorite movies. It was a Stardust, right? So that's what that movie is. We're going we're gonna to watch that. Yeah. She was asking me about all these 90 movies. I it's her watch. an incredible movie, and it's really based on a lot of, there's a ton of truth there, right? And so who's Frank. Jo- who's Joe Pesci? Joe Pesci is uh, the aunt, Anthony Spilatro. No shit. Um, and he was, again, a short guy, an enforcer, the whole night. I mean, it's very, again, very, very true, um, which is awesome. But yeah, Frank Lefty Rosenthal uh, was a sports handicapper in Chicago. The mob bosses gave him this, you know, casino to run because they saw the way he operated and how much money he was bringing in. He basically took the stardust from nothing to one of the top casinos on the strip. And one of the things he brought was sports betting. He bought, you know, created the first sports book. Uh, and it's been, you know, a popular thing in Las Vegas when ever was since. That, like the seventies, yeah, seventies, like yeah. Jimmy the Greek, Brett Musburger. So that, that's awesome to know. That, <laughs> it's wild that, that the announcers are gambling on the games. And not all of them are, but a lot of them know it. Like Al Michaels, you can, dude, I would for sure guess Al Michaels. Yeah, I mean, because you can hear like in some of his calls, like when it's late and it's a blowout, but it's within fourteen, and he goes, "Well, that's important to some, right? Yeah, that some are gamblers and." The NFL knows that this stuff is happening. Because it keeps the ratings. It keeps, because that's why people, I mean, it's all about watch time, right? Like we, we're concerned about it as podcasters and content creators. We want you to listen for a very long time because then we can get in more advertisements. It's no different with television. The longer you're watching those games, the more ads you're seeing, the more sponsorships you're seeing. That's better for the league. It's better for everybody, right? So yeah, I mean, Brent still to this day is when I produced him in 2021, no, 2022, I'm losing track of the years, 2022. So you actually like got to know him though? Got to know him, text with him. That's so cool. It's It was wild, right? Like he, so what he would do is when, when he decided to make his return, he had started this gambling network called the Vegas Stats and Information Network. And he brought a bunch of Fox sports guys with him. Uh, this was in 2017 before uh, the the bill passed in 2018, PASPA. I, I'm going to butcher that. Um, but it essentially created the rights for these states to go out and legalize sports betting. He had this network ready to go. And they were already talking lines and spreads and totals and teasers and parlays and you know props and all the rest of this stuff. They had been doing it for a year. And he did it for a number of years. The Raiders called. He wanted to do the play-by-play thing again, get back in the NFL, did that. Was that when the Raiders went to Vegas? It's when the Raiders, they were in Oakland for one year, then they moved to Vegas, so naturally get Mr. Vegas, right? That makes sense. He did it for the year in Vegas and then comes back to uh, VEASAN. And at VEASAN, he was a Monday through Friday show, right? Like he had to have the main main drive time show was his thing. He has never gone back to Sunday morning pregame until he came back to VEASAN. And I produced him doing Sunday pregame stuff. So we were literally the pregame show for the NFL. And it was, you know, Brent Musburger every Sunday saying, you are looking live. And it was the odds board in, you know, Circus Sports in downtown Las Vegas. So somebody like you who loves the history of this. Yeah. That's so cool. It was, I had a dream job there, right? Like I had an absolute dream gig there. It was, it was awesome. I'm producing for, I had the most important, time slot on the network Sunday morning before the NFL kicks off. And I literally had Michael Lombardi for two hours. And then for that third hour, I had Brent Musburger. That's so cool. So have you ever read the alchemist? I have not. I am. St- I'm reading textbooks now, Luke. So I don't have uh, I don't have time to read for like pleasure anymore. Cause I've, I've been, I've now had a bunch of people give me text or give me books to read and in the, within after three years is up, I will read them. But I have another three years to go before okay. I graduate because I'm going very slow. Um, if you have time, I, I know you obviously have to listen to like podcasts and stuff. Um, it's a free. There's a free YouTube of it. Okay. Um, or audiobook, and Jeremy Irons narrates it. It's, okay. I, I listen to that once a year and other books once a year, but that one in particular. 
in in it and the concept of it is like chasing your dreams yeah like you've no idea where the journey will lead you but that's how you get your treasure yeah and it's cool like again like back in like 10th grade you wanted to be a broadcaster yeah yeah and you're just going and i'm in it like it's in i'm following the breadcrumbs yeah and you're doing all these amazing like historical things it's 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 been a wild run like i couldn't have when i left local my girlfriend i was just talking with her um before i got here and then in the last few weeks her and i had had conversations her and i worked together at the station in rochester and she's going to say wonderful things right like i'm she thinks I'm her future husband, and hopefully that's the case, right? Like, so right. naturally she's going to say good things. So she said to me, "Honey, you were great on air." And I was like, "I listen, I was pretty good. Like, I could, I could hang it on a sports cast, and I could, uh, with play-by-play stuff, I could really let loose because I could let my personality show, and it's a lot of fun, and it's energy, and I love being at live events. If it's a high school game, I don't care if it's high school volleyball, right? Like, it was, it was exciting to those kids. You and I played, right? right? You were you were a, a, a football star, Friday Night Lights guy." You came and, and hacked it up with us on a lacrosse field, you know, right. and it was, we had a ton of fun just chopping it up in those, those moments. But in, in those moments at those ages, it was like, like the, the biggest fun, thing there is. it was the biggest yeah. thing there is, right? So I always remembered that. And I always tried to bring that same energy and enthusiasm. And you know, when like a TV station or TV crew shows up, there's like added it's pressure the biggest, and it's the biggest thing in the world. It's the biggest People, thing in their lives at that point. 100%. So I always enjoyed that aspect of it. And it was a lot of fun. But what I realized was I needed the leadership side of things. I needed to be in control more, right? Like, you remember me in the huddle? I was yeah. the shortest guy, but I was always the loudest. I was always the energy guy. I was always the yeah. glue guy. I was never the best, right? But I was always the hardest worker and trying to grind for every shift that I got. Yeah, yeah. The whole nine yards, right? Like, that's, that's always been me. I'm not the most talented guy. But I will outwork you. And there's there's no doubt in my mind about that. I I sat and ideated and sent off emails this morning for like four hours, right? And it's July 4th. So it's just the way it's the way I'm wired. It's just the way I operate. And I think it it, it harkens back to watching my mom do it for all these years and then being from where we are from, you just you have that mentality. You have that that drive. That's when my success in the shit I do. Yeah. I just outwork everybody. Yeah. She's always like Danielle's always like I don't get it, and I'm just like ah. We're just cut differently. It's just yeah. it really is like I can't explain it. Like it's a benefit to coming from to a shitty place where there's not many opportunities. Yeah, and you have to work your ass up for like fifty grand. And yeah, that's, and that's like making yeah. it, and that's yeah. not a knock on anybody here. No, no, it's but, it's an incredible place to grow up because yeah. you learn those lessons. You see what it's like. You understand the value of a dollar, right? So you don't take anything for granted. And you understand to enjoy the successes when they happen. I'll always remember the 03 championship Syracuse, right? It's just like, yeah, yeah. you just remember those things. Like I was 100%. just harking back to, to Mello and all the rest of that. Know where, you know, know where I was and when they beat Kansas, all the rest of stuff. Cause it was like the biggest thing this town has had in, in however many years. But like you, you remember those moments, you remember where you come from and it helps drive every day, right? You can just harken back to, all right, it's better than, you know, having to lay bricks here, having to do whatever. Like, I'm so great. My grandfather came over to this country in 19, the 1910s from Italy and worked in, in Pittsburgh on, you know, the railroads. I, I'm very That's cognizant of that, right? Gets, like, yeah. I'm very cognizant of, of what he sacrificed to give my grandfather and his brother a better life and I'm cognizant of what my mother has done and sacrificed to give me a better life. So it's, you know, it's all part of it. And I think part of it is that Italian culture, right? Like it's not to get too like Italian things, but like it's, it is part of that culture. I just having pasta for my birthday. hundred percent. Right. Like it's, it's at, on July 4th. Right. Yeah. So I had a cannoli before I came over here. So right. and tremendous Harper and followed, but <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's just all part of that. You understand the culture that you grow up in, you understand all of that stuff and it helps shape, you know, everything I do. That's so cool. And, um, so tell me about Mike Perea talking about Italians. Um, <laughs> He's actually Portuguese, believe it no or not. Shit. I it's thought... a, it, Pereira's uh, it sounds like a very Italian so last Italian. name, right? And he constantly gets mistaken for this, but he's actually Portuguese. All right. Well, I am mistaken. Sorry, yes, yes. <laughs> sorry, oh, Mike. Um, you are not the first, and you won't be the yeah. last. So him and Uggs, that is yes. This is I a, am uh, puzzled. What is the connection with that? So, a television studio is well air conditioned, 
constantly because the equipment can't get too hot. Okay. All right. The cameras, as we were literally just talking before this about, about your equipment. Uh, we need some better air conditioning here, I guess, is the idea, yeah. right? Like, but yes, truly, the, the temperatures are kept so low in a television studio that Mike will get cold. And so his solution to this was to buy Uggs so that he would not get cold. That's, his, th- that's the connection. So during Sundays when Mike is on TV and you don't see him, chances are Mike is wearing Uggs. So why do, why do the ESPN guys all wear like white sneakers with suits? I think it's a comfortable thing at this point okay. because it's certainly not for fashion, and they didn't do that decades ago. They didn't. Yeah, yeah it's weird to me every time. It's, it's, it's very still odd. weird to me. It is. It definitely is. I mean, they've I, now made it acceptable to wear white Air Force Ones with suits, though. Yes. So like people can, people can go out and wear that. It's it's wild to me. A good friend of mine that got married recently wore Air Force Ones instead of like. Shoes. shoes, yeah. It was just like, okay. I mean, it looked good. It was it was a sharp look. It's, it's become acceptable. But it has become acceptable, which is, I think, very strange. That That is really weird. <laughs> it's, it's very odd. I I think we're old school in that regard. We're a nice pair of dress shoes. Like, Yeah, yeah. They're, they're not meant to be comfortable. And I, but and it's, I'm rocking Iversons if you want to put them on exactly. camera. <laughs> and I was nice enough to take my shoes off. I'd just like to note that for the record. No, I, I literally <laughs> went and put these on. It's a birthday gift. And I was like, I don't know if I'm going to have a chance to show these off. Yeah, you need to. You need to. Normally, you know, I'm going for Jordans on my birthday. I wanted Iversons this year. I mean, hey, listen. Throw throw it back. I remember. Yeah, yeah. I remember. I was never cool enough to rock those. That's what I remember. I did. I used to have the all whites of these. And like when I played ball, because I couldn't afford the Jordans back then. Yeah, yeah. So that would would actually be the ones that I got. So tell me, kind of going back to high school. Yeah. um, Went to Awful Al's the other day. I just got to twist it that way. Um, yeah. There we go. All right. So I went to Awful Al's the other oh, day. Oh, man. What a bar. Dude, it's it's one of the best bars I've ever been to. What anybody, a bar. If anybody comes to Syracuse, New York, looking for a cool like co- cocktail bar, mixology bar, Awful Al's. Jeremy Wicks' cousin is the bartender. No kidding. And he remembers, he's talking about Masterpool's party. And yeah. And he's talking about me and Joe English on like the beer pong table. Yeah. <laughs> It did. I was like, wow, man, I forgot about that. That's crazy. But yeah. That leads me to asking you about the Beer Olympics. Okay. Um, what is that? And, and tell me about that. Yeah. So I recently accepted the executive producer position of Bussin' with the Boys. Um, and Which congrats on a side note. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's I'm super excited. This is... And if, if uh, Taylor and, and Will hear this, you guys rock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll try to share with them. Whenever this drops, I'll try to yeah, share yeah, with yeah. them. Um, so I, uh, I, I'd been in, in talks with these guys for like a month. The interview process was, um, really awesome. Like it was just great conversations at every stop. Every time I heard more about not only Will and Taylor, but the show, their ideas, what they had done and where they wanted to go. I just got more and more excited because it was, it really had combined a lot of the skills that I had acquired over the years. Like being on air, you you understand how shows are supposed to flow and what producers put you in the right position. So I've always tried to do that as a producer. Put put my guys in the best position possible. Give me an example of somebody not doing that, somebody doing that. You don't have to say names. Yeah. No, I, I think for a, for a lot of it, it's you have to really prepare and understand the situation, right? So if you're going to go in and do a particular interview or you're going to have a particular subject come in, it's having that background. It's giving them that extra nugget. It's making sure that that person, that interviewer, feels comfortable in this environment, right? So So the producer does the background research. Yeah, the job really... um, When I I had been a a producer full-time on specific shows, my job was a lot of research, right? It's, It's understanding what's timely. It's understanding what will get the conversation going, right? And so when it comes to sports, like I knew at Fox, when I put the Cowboys on, we were going to have better ratings. It's just the way it went, right? If, if, if I had Mike and Dean tweet out, we're going to talk about this Dak Prescott interception or whatever it was, or this, you know, this defensive pass interference as it pertains to the Cowboys, I knew my ratings would be higher. So it's just being cognizant of all these different storylines and really your job as the producer is to organize everything. So I'm organizing the technical staff. I'm organizing 
the talent. I'm making sure that the rundowns are tight and that we've got all the elements, that everything that we would need to succeed as a group is available to us. So that's really where the leadership comes in. And then a bad producer just doesn't. And a bad producer just doesn't do those things, right? Like it's the, well, may just grab convenient plays as opposed to ones that would be really interesting and create interesting conversation. Or for, for the gambling stuff, it's just really lazy stuff like, well, what games are available today? What can we bet on today? That's what we'll talk about. It's boring, right? People... The reason the NFL is the number one is people love to watch it and people love to talk about it in the offseason. The NFL's done a really good job of creating different events in the offseason to attract you, right? The draft is one of them. And guess what? You can bet on it. So if you can bet on it, we're going to talk about it on a, on a gambling network. So like all those different things. And so as I got talking with, with Will and Taylor and then the folks at Barstool about this opportunity, what I kept going back to was leadership organization, and then the ability to help produce some new shows that they want to do. So we're going to, in the fall, launch a new gambling show that'll be dedicated to the NFL. We're going to retweak our um, current show, Bet the Bus, and that'll be more college-focused. Bet the Bus. That, yeah. That, that, I like that. So I didn't come up with the name. I think that was Will. Um, it's, a, it's a great name, right? So it's And again, it's all part of that branding that I now have to be concerned about as an executive producer. So it goes above just my role now as, as a executive producer is not the day to day, but it's the week to week. It's the month to month. It's making sure that all the pieces are moving in the right direction. Will and Taylor know where to be. You know, my guys that that have been doing this with Will and Taylor, I'm I'm the newest guy. I'm the I'm the seventh member of this team. How do I work into what they already do? So uh- who are the other members on the team? Like, what are the you have, again? The yeah, names. What do they do? So uh, JP is is one of our main shooters and producers. Um, Jack is our our head of social. He's our our main social guy. Um, and Garrett is our Swiss Army knife, right? Like we his title is creative coordinator, but he really handles so many different things from graphics to live events, all these different um, connections that we have to do because our show is is unique. It's not just the podcast. We're right. going out and doing doing live events that most people never see unless you're there. Um, and then Mitch is our, our you know one of the newer members. He's an associate producer, and you know Mitch is really good uh, at learning, right? Like he's he's got to be good at trying to figure out what the next move is. And so he's he's been one of the things I've really enjoyed about Mitch is he's eager to learn. And 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 I'll be honest with you. As the new guy coming in, I couldn't be the bull in the china shop. It just wouldn't work because there's an established culture there, because they know kind of what they're already doing. And, and I'm really lucky. There's a foundation there, right? So the guys that have been there have built this tremendous and foundation. Good leadership is not exerting leadership unless absolutely necessary. Right. I've learned that in right. business. Like as a leader in business, it's like good leadership is actually almost always hands off until absolutely necessary. 100%. So you, you let them operate and you give them that wiggle room because you know decisions will be made and, and some may be wrong, but you're hoping that a majority are correct, right? And so, again, as I examined what we had here, it was a tremendous foundation that was built. We just need to build the framing, put the siding around this thing and plop the roof on and we're headed to the moon. And so like that's really the mentality is allow these guys to operate. JP is one of the best shooters in, in, with vlogs out there, right? He knows how to engage Will. He knows how to engage Taylor to get that moment out of them that we need on the back end when we're editing and putting this thing together. And he's got that creative eye. Jack understands the social landscape. He really understands our demographic, right? Everyone's got a a different demo. And Jack really has done a, a tremendous job of identifying it and then speaking to it. And for Garrett, Garrett is... He's such a uh, a leader in in this space in the regard of whatever is asked of him, he will do right, and that to me is is a good leadership quality. It's huge. But he just loves to be that glue guy in the locker room. Like I said, for for Mitch, it's he's the new guy, doesn't have as much experience, but how can he learn? What can he do to to be a little bit better? How can he get more experience? So like, I, I'm really fortunate in the fact that this team that was uh, that I didn't assemble was already here and has already elevated that product. My role is to come in and help them tweak it, right? Like how, what can I take from Fox? What can I take from DraftKings? 
bring it here to Bussin and then help them elevate that product. That's really my role. And to get these guys organized, right? Like this, Will and Taylor started this thing on a bus and it's it's still on the bus, right? We still right. operate from the bus. That's the studio, but it has evolved. It's merch, it's live shows, it's a vlog that you know we try to pump out on a weekly basis. And now it's expanding into that gambling space to do more shows. Okay, that, that makes sense. So what? Um, so I kind of sidetracked you on that. What yeah, the, yeah. What's the beer the Olympics? Olympics? Sorry, we got to get back to no, that. No, 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 no. I, I was interested in that. <laughs> in, the, in the like production yeah. stuff and. It, so again, with Beer Olympics, we go back to organization. Uh, the Beer Olympics happened because Taylor used to have uh, the Titans offensive line over in the offseason as kind of a, a morale building, team building type thing where they would do a couple, you know, the college beer games, right? Like everyone would do. You're playing flip cup, you're playing beer pong, beer ball, doing some chugs, whatever it may be to, you know, rally the guys. And last year, a bunch of the Titans came over and then Will participated. And now this year, what they did was they evolved it to Will and Taylor were, were on a team. A couple of members of the Titans were there. David Bakhtiari was there and brought one of his rookie tight ends. Uh, George Kittle participated with DeForest Buckner. Dude, and he then seems it, like he's super fun. George is a hilarious guy. He's just got a great energy about him. And DeForest is like as down to earth as possible. And he's this mammoth hum, human being, right? Like just couldn't be a nicer guy. Um they were awesome. And it's then wild, you though. we were talking about it off camera. Like when you're around those people, you're like, Oh, there's just, it's insane. There's different types of human beings. Like I am spoiler five foot seven, not that big. Right. And like 150 pounds. And you get around these guys that are six foot five, six foot six and 300 pounds. And I just wonder how we are the same species, Right. you know, like literally I just were, we went to tight end. You, my third day of work was, we went to tight end. You, and these are some of the biggest guys in the NFL. And I'm going, we are not the same species. They are from a different planet, or I am, and you know, just haven't developed enough. Like, I, it's, it's incredible to be around these athletes. You, you get the sense of like, I always thought I could play college across, and I did it for one year. And then you get around guys that play D1, and you're like, oh, wait, that's different. Like, that's just a, it's a different sport. They're, you know, a couple of our guys played football, and they played, you know, D2 level, and then they get around these NFL players. And even some of the Vanderbilt guys were out at, at tight end U, and you just see the difference between a solid SEC D1 player and NFL guys. It's just, it's even even more different, which is wild. At any rate, sorry, Beer Olympics. So no, all no, these no. NFL guys out, and this year they invited a bunch of country stars, and a couple of the comedians that came out were like Burt Kreischer and Shane Gillis. And this guy who I love now, Uncle Laser, who I was unfamiliar with his work prior to this and then realized he's like a stand-up comedian. And so Uncle Laser was the funniest guy there. So basically what we did was we did a bunch of drinking games over like an eight-hour span. So wait, so you drank with Burt Kreischer? I did not. Uh. My job was to corral them. I, I was asked several times at my drinking or, you know, have you had a beer? And they guess. I, I didn't have a single beer at Beer Olympics. Um, in fact, I haven't. We can talk about this later, but I haven't had a sip of alcohol in five years. Oh no, shit! I never had a problem with it, right? But it was just yeah. You never got out of control. I never, I never was an issue or anything like that. I, what was became an issue for me was the hangovers, right? No matter how much I drank, I remember the last time I drank was with some friends in Rochester, and I literally had like two beers and woke up and had a hangover the next day, and it lasted like all day. And after that, I was like. I'm good. Can't even do two beers. I, yeah, I just couldn't even do two beers at that point. It was such a weakling. I was like, no, I'm done. That's it. I, I just, at that point, I stick to my cigars, and I know that's my, my vice, and that's that. Uh, so you'll be surprised to hear this. Yeah. I gave up alcohol this year. Did you really? Congratulations, um, my man. Wasn't having a problem with it or anything like that. I gave it up as an offering to God, really, for like to elevate. Yeah. Because I feel like I have so many things about to happen. Yeah. And in particular with my mushroom church. So, mm-hmm. spoiler alert, I cannabis and mushrooms all the time yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, literally i go out of my way to do mushrooms. my goal is to do mushrooms 48 hero doses this year oh wow okay um and i was like anything that's not gonna help me elevate and alcohol is a depressant so it's pulling me down yeah i'll give up for the year yeah yeah, yeah. um so, yeah so i gave that up for that's the year. awesome dude but one of my goals is to get hammered drunk with burke Christ. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he lived up to the billing right yeah. Bert was incredible, um, and it was really just away from the games, and, and I think the, the main goal for Will and Taylor out of this, my goal was to make sure the production was great, right? I needed everything to go smoothly. I, I needed to make sure our guys captured all the content and that we can put this you know, vlog together so that people can see it and enjoy it. 
Will and Taylor's goal was everyone needs to have a good time, right? Like I, Taylor even texted me afterwards, like, hey, did you have fun? And Taylor's not going to know, and, and hopefully he'll listen and hear this, but like I didn't have a single beer. Like I didn't drink. I didn't, didn't find it necessary, but I had a blast, right? Because it's the energy. You're around all these great people. It's that competition, and I still am a competitive bastard at the end of the day. I, I want to win in, in all things, right? But it was the energy, it was the excitement, and it was the laughs. And that's, it really, when you hearken back to uh, anyone that listens to Bussin' and anyone that's been around these guys and knows, the, the core of what we do at Bussin' is the locker room energy, right? Like, I, to this day, I still remember we used to drink cucumber soda yeah. before games in lacrosse, right? I went back to Brooklyn Pickle, no free shout-outs, and had a cucumber soda recently. And it was just like I was back in town in Syracuse. We went and got a sandwich, and I had to get it. So, like, it's just you remember these little things, and it just sparks all these memories. The celery soda, right? So it was a celery? I yeah. thought it was cucumber. Whatever it was. It was maybe it was celery. It was celery. It was celery. It was That's right. It was celery. So it was disgusting. It was awful, right? Like, it was awful. But it's just... It was one of those things that we did as yeah, a we team. Did it every game. We yeah. did it as a You'd group. Have a, and, yeah. have a sip, pass down to the next guy. Uh, hope nobody was breaking out that week yeah, or whatever, yeah. right? Like it was just one of those things, and I, you, I still remember those things. So like that's the that's the core of what Bussin does, and that really was what Beer Olympics was: is to get all the guys together, have some competition, shit talk a little bit, and it was just it was an incredible like eight hour event. Now it was insane on my ninth day of work with these guys to be wrangling around comedians shane and gillis shane and- gillis was there and it was like i need you to pop over and do this confession cam and they're like what the hell is this and it was you know we set up this reality style you know real worlds type thing where folks could go in and you know give the real story and what was hilarious is we had hardy and his wife compete and hardy before the event started had dm'd burt kreischer Right, and this will come out in the vlog, so you, you'll be able to see this. He had DM'd him and said, dude, I'm such a huge fan. I can't wait to meet you and, and have a beer with you at Beer Olympics. And Bert, rather than respond, just double-tapped and liked. And then Hardy went over the top, and it started this whole feud, and they just started laughing, and it was hilarious. So the, the, the shit-talking, the beef was starting like weeks in advance. That's how much, like, it, it's, it's wild. You don't, everyone's very busy, right? Like, you're, you're crazy with your own life. Can you imagine just taking a Tuesday and just getting all of your friends together that are in different towns and different parts of the country that all have something going on, just getting them together and spending the entire day getting drunk playing games? I mean, that's really what it was. So that's that's the fun. I try to do it every Saturday with mushrooms. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do my best. Yeah. <laughs> my, my, uh, my secret has been not growing up yet. Yeah, succeeding in business. There you go. I mean, that everyone's and, got the secret and, sauce, right? And the key, and the key is doing that. It's, yeah, um, dude, that's so cool. So who? I'm gonna put you on the spot. Mm-hmm. Um, who was the most? Who would you give the MVP to from the Beer Olympics? I don't, I don't necessarily hmm. care about. Oh shit, my collar was up the whole time. Boy, the MVP. Two guys kind of jump to I think two guys came to the forefront one's going to sound like I'm pandering because he's my boss but Taylor for sure Taylor had the fastest chug of the day they had to do three beer chug and he did it in like three something seconds it was insane it was absolutely insane and then Taylor was phenomenal at beer pong and kept them alive in the in what was the longest games they played two of the longest games of beer pong I've ever seen in my life so Taylor was one and then I think George Kittle was the other because George was like happy-go-lucky, but when it came down to the competition part, you saw that NFL player like pop out where it's a bit of shit talking and he's just a little bit better than you are and you can't really explain it with George, but he's just this quintessential tight end and when you watch him play football, he's just going to he's gonna hit you a little harder, he's going to run a little faster, he's going to make the catch in the big moment and it was the same thing at Bear Olympics. He was going to make the shot, you know, he, he would make the flip cup when necessary. He was a solid chugger, right? Like, it was just all these things started to come out. So I think George was probably the MVP. All right, and then who had the worst showing? Uncle Laser by far. <laughs> Uncle Laser, but to Uncle Laser's credit, he, he showed up with two bags of wine, red and white, and had been drinking since about 9.30 that morning. The Beer Olympics didn't start until about 12.30. Okay, so he showed up. He showed Olympics up already family. probably half in the bag. 
I like that. Yeah. And there was controversy, right? Like there were really good controversial moments that we can show in this vlog that we're putting together right now that'll be really entertaining for people to watch because, it, you know, naturally as you get people having a few beers, you're going to think, oh, you moved that cup or that you were backhanding on that flip cup or that beer ball didn't actually graze the can. So like... Did you, did you as the sober guy, did you get called in to... Like, officiate hey, like, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> break it up no so luckily and again this goes back to my I, I would be terrified for you getting oh in, my in god between yeah just two behemoths again five seven hundred and fifty pounds versus 300 versus like 300 yeah exactly all pro taylor's six foot seven and is slimmed down looks great but still i'm not gonna stop him i'm not gonna stop will will was a, a freaking linebacker right like right. he was he was there to take you know running backs heads off i'm not getting in the way of that for god's sakes like you played linebacker yeah. i'm not gonna stop you to, to this day i'm not gonna and stop this, you this Luke. Is like a, this is nfl guy. this is nfl guy who has been drinking by the way it's like you know at that point all bets are off but no you know it was i, I go back to the relationship I, i've got with mike and dean and i called dean up um like literally a week before the event and just said hey we're doing this beer, beer olympics thing do you want to come in for it do you want to come you know help kind of establish the rules and all the rest of the stuff like <laughs> taylor taylor did a great job of leading up to the event getting everything organized Dude, if you ever need a volunteer or something like that yes yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're not the only one that said that to me yeah, like, yeah. by the way like i've had a lot of people now say hey next year i'm available right like i, I can come in next year so which is great i will keep it in mind for sure I, right I as, we, as we evolve Nashville. it yeah, yeah for sure 100 percent so Taylor got all the rules ahead of time of what he wanted because it was his house, right? So he wanted the house rules thing, which I thought was a really cool angle of the whole thing. So we had all these rules set out and Dean was like, yeah, I'm down with it. Like, this seems like a great event. I'd love to come in. So I've got, and this is again, wild to me. I'm a, you know, a kid from upstate New York who, again, you can look at my resume and look at it one way, like it's incredible, or you can look at it that I've lucked into a lot of things. And I've been really lucky in a lot of things. I don't want to get that wrong. Preparation plus hard work equals a hundred percent, right? Like it's, it, you got to put yourself in those positions over and over and over again. And it's crazy to me that I can call a former VP of officiating and he'll come and do this beer Olympics for me, right? Like this guy's used to the NFL and he's the head, he's still the head of officials for the XFL, a very serious individual who I can call and just say, will you come and do this stupid little thing for me? Which is amazing that they had the head official. Yes. And so Dean flew down and was the head official. And did, did he wear a referee's outfit? We had him in an, in, and what's great about Dean is, and he'll tell you this, he's the only guy I think to this day who was never an on the field official, but still was able to rise to the level of being the head of officials for the NFL. It's, he's had a wild ride too. So I think he and I are simpatico in that regard a little bit where it's just like, we're probably not supposed to be here, but we're here. So enjoying the ride, enjoying the ride, right? Not working. hundred percent. And that, Dean's a awesome. sharp guy too. So that's like, awesome he, yeah. Dean Blandino refereeing. It's, Dean Blandino was the referee for this. And that was the funniest thing was as the competitors showed up, they hadn't, they didn't know that Dean was going to be there. Right. And so like all of a sudden you're just hearing like, what the hell is Dean Blandino doing here? Like officiating. Right. And so, and, and to Dean's credit, he was super into it. Like, I didn't want him didn't to feel awkward. He did, you know, I had him kind of do the intro to the different events because I needed somebody. Will and Taylor, you'll, as you'll see, really were focused on being competitors. So that was you that got Dean in there. I got Dean in oh, there. Oh, so you got to be in good graces with Will I'm hopeful. Taylor. I'm yeah. hopeful, right? And so it was funny because Will and Taylor were giving Dean shit the whole time, right? Because that's who they are. They're competitors at the end yeah. of the day. And it's it's just hilarious that relationship to me. And afterwards, both Will and Taylor texted me and said separately and just said, "Hey, I hope Dean had a good time." And I had messaged Dean prior to that, just like, "Thank you so much, you know, for coming, for your friendship, everything. Like, it was awesome." And Dean was like, "This was great. I can't wait to do it next year." Right? Like, so he was he was all about it. He loved being in that moment. And what you won't know about Dean is like his incredible personality because you just see him as this official guy on TV that that'll come in and tell you that Des Bryant didn't make the catch right like that was and he was the head of officials that made that determination for the NFL fuck you Dean <laughs> as a Cowboys fan I'm sure you're thrilled with that um but he's you know he's been a part of those major controversial moments right and he doesn't take himself too serious that's the best part about Dean he's done stand-up comedy on a couple of occasions yeah is he funny I didn't see it, so I don't know. But I know in... Sounds like what a friend would say if he's not funny. Right, yeah. But I will say, in the moments like behind the scenes at Fox Sports, he's he'll get on you, right? And he'll find those moments and those ways to just pick at you. And like, I got... Oh, wow, look, we got fireworks going here. 
quite July, the setup July, you guys July have 4th, here. Yeah, July 4th. <laughs> hey, you know, I got really sick in February before COVID hit. And so Dean would constantly, and I had this terrible flu. I was in Vegas, had this terrible flu. And Dean will tell you that I was the first COVID patient. So like, he'll just, he'll rip you for those things, which is hilarious to me. I had uh, Michael Goldberg on one of my podcasts. Okay. He was the um, CEO of a chain, like award-winning hospitals mm-hmm. with COVID. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. He was telling me like all this crazy stuff. Yeah. It was, it was really interesting to hear his. Yeah. Um, dude, this podcast has been awesome and I haven't even been doing it for that long and haven't had that many guests. Because, yeah. Just like, again, I've known you forever, but now hearing these stories that I wouldn't naturally get to hear. And we, you, we would only get these if we were out at a bar, right? Like if we went to Awful Isles and we're hanging right. out again, you know? So like that's the... And there'd be so much distractions and alcohol. The music and all the, and all the rest of it, yeah. So like podcast, I got into this honestly to learn. And I, yeah. And I've talked about it on the show a bunch of times. Like I've, I told you, like I felt called to do it from a higher source. Sure. And I'm doing it. and But like for me, it's super cool to like just have people on and to learn and like to choose my guests and yeah. like put friends on and yeah. stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's super interesting. But um, shout out to Sarah Rathbun who told me that you were going to be in town or Mushi told me you were going to be in town. Yeah. We were talking about all that. And um, I know you're going back tomorrow, but Wisniewski's in a band apparently that's doing really well. And it's incredible, gonna... <laughs> by the way. Yeah. It's, um, what, what would you guys call yourselves? The news team. We were like the BL news team or something like that when we were in high school, and it was all based on Anchorman. Like it was all, I, everything that was everything was based on Anchorman. Was based on Anchorman. He, I think he fancies himself or did at the time like Will Ferrell, which makes complete sense. I don't think I know. Okay, all right, that's fair enough. <laughs> but it's just funny, like the whole news team. Well, not the whole news team. Uh, sorry, Mochi, but a lot of you guys have <laughs> gone. Mochi always wanted to be, but really, it was the core of it was. Matt, Nick, Jeff Szynski, and myself. Those were the four. Right. Right. Yeah. Which were like the core of this thing that we... And I, I swear... What was Poe's role? He was the reporter. I wanted to have him on tomorrow, but he's still in Maine. Is he? Um, okay. My buddy, our buddy Nick Mashpole's got a super successful cannabis farm in Maine. Wild. I mean, just wild that he has that too, by the way. It, it's wild. Him, Billy, and Beef. Which is crazy. And I'm, I am super happy so for happy all for their them. success. Right? Because they're... They are like just genuinely good people, which is that, awesome. That love weed. That love weed. And weighs more than most people can love weed. But what what that should tell you is Do follow you your love. passion. Yeah, exactly. You know, and Let's that's go back to Alchemist. I I went back to so like I had a six month hiatus that really it did it was part of the journey that I'll look at and go okay that was a crucial six months where I I had left the content space and went to work for a live events experience company and I was doing marketing for them. And it was the toughest six months I've had in a long time. But what it did was solidify my passion for the content space. So I, I now understand, okay, this is, the, this is the lane I'm meant to be in. This is the role I need to be in. This is where I'll be successful. And I was incredibly lucky and feel incredibly lucky to have landed in this spot with, you know, busting with the boys. Dude, I... Um if you don't mind, I'll probably ask you more stuff mm-hmm. off camera, but like, I'm going to call you at some point and like ask you kind of questions on how to gauge my thing. This is yeah, super yeah. cool, man. Like this has been so helpful just listening. On yeah. This. yeah. I, I, anywhere I can help my man. Dude, this is so awesome. And then, um, I guess for anybody that's listening, what would you say? I mean, I think you kind of, I think I know what you're going to say, but what would you say that your secret ingredient to your, the, um, to your success or your luck. So in the boxing gym I used to go to when mm-hmm. I was going to be a boxer yeah, 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 on, yeah. Your, on your show, um, it was luck. It was a mathematical formula. It was luck equals opportunity plus preparation. Yeah. Uh, I love that. Yeah. I, I loved it. Yeah. But what would you say the key to your luck is or the key to your success? Let's not say luck. Let's say success. Um, and what would you suggest to anybody out there listening? That's a really good question. I mean, listen, at the end of the day, my ego will tell you I am just more talented, right? Like, and, and there's part of me that believes it. And I, part of me needs to believe it to be, to operate the way I operate and to be in the rooms that I'm going to be in, right? Right. But the other part of me that is the humble will say, man, it's been a lucky, like you were lucky to get the call from Fox. I was lucky to, you know, I, I filled in producing Mike and Dean's digital show one time. I was lucky to be able to do that, that, that the, the bosses thought of me to do that. 
and it was luck that it worked out because after one show, Mike Pereira went to my boss and said, I want him to produce me from now on. That's my new producer. So like part of it is, yeah, it's a skill and it's a drive. I think for me, the one key, the one constant in my life has been so hard I, work. I was going to say, you yeah. must have came in super prepared if Mike Pereira after one time. Yeah. Well, I was terrified, right? So the show, the show would air on Mondays. And I would gather all of the the clips and I would gather all the plays and everything I would need on Sunday. So, I mean, as, as you think about the Fox Sports studio, I'm sitting in the officiating cube with Mike and Dean. And these are the biggest guys that I had been able to produce up until that point. The and huge names in the industry. Massive names. And they couldn't be nicer guys. But I was terrified, right? There were five... The, the, the way the windows work for Fox on the West Coast... It's a 10 and a 1 window or your 1 and 4 windows out here. But because it's all regionally based, it just depends on the week for how many games Fox will have versus how many CBS will have, right? That first week, Fox, that I, that I did it, Fox had five games cooking in the first window, in that 10 o'clock, 1 o'clock window. And things were buzzing around constantly. They had done like three or four hits on air before I even got settled in the chair. And so I'm supposed to be watching what is, what for. Does that mean? So they're doing. They're, there's controversy happening, controversial plays that the producers okay. are bringing them on the air for. Or what you don't see is a lot of times a producer will say, "Hey, we've got a close call. I don't have time to bring you on." But what do you see in Mike? What do you see in Dean? And so they're going back through plays and then are telling the color guy, telling the producer, whoever they've got links right to the truck or right to the talent's ears for them to say, "Okay, that's it. Is a hold. It is a catch." It is pass interference or it's not, right? And so a lot of that stuff you just don't see. And they are a well-oiled machine. And it is cooking constantly. So I walked in there and I was already nervous as hell, which is a good thing, right? Like nerves either... That, it's a healthy level of respect. 100%, right? And it's that pressure is either going to break you or it's going to make you, right? And so there have been a lot of times where it has broken me and I had to figure out another way around. And then in this instance, it just made me. And I was able to cope and you know find a groove and figure out what I needed to do because I knew this was my one opportunity to do it. So I sat down that Sunday, was panicked. Five games, things are flying around. I am incredibly nervous, have half an idea of what I'm doing, and somehow faked my way into doing it. I've never asked this of Mike, but I don't know why he went to the bosses and suddenly wanted me to produce. I have no clue, but I know you got to ask him that one. I, do, I eventually I need to, because I know my boss went to me and said, listen, he asked you to, he asked for you to do this. And I was like blown away. I mean, this guy's going to have a gold jacket one day. He's going to be in the hall of fame, right. right? Not only just because he was the head, head of officials for a number of years, but he created this, you know, he and, and with some Fox executives created this position of, you know, a, a head official or an, a former official sitting in helping the audience understand what the play was and why it could be called a certain way. So yeah, I mean, this I the respect I have for both Mike and Dean is boundless. I mean, it's these these guys are the tops in my mind. So basically, to boil that down, stay ready so you don't got to get ready. Yeah, I think that's part of it, and I think you know it, a lot of it's hard work, right? Like I had. I had spent a year in between my on-air stuff at, at the local spot and Fox trying to figure out that next step. So you talk about that podcast I had. A lot of, we didn't have a, a tremendous following, right? But the people that followed and loved the show still will ask me about it to this day. Right, but because you, you treated it so sacred and because you put the work in mm -hmm. when the opportunity came up. <laughs> it's just amazing. We got a fireworks show here, by the way. It's, it's confirmation. Yeah. <laughs> So, because you treated that so sacred and you worked so hard, that when the opportunity came, you were ready. Yeah. And, and I yeah. think that's what um, I think people should really take away from this is like, again, Bond knew what he wanted in 10th grade, but he didn't just sit there and wishing it. Right. He went after it aggressively and then still wished it and still had positive vibes. And I think that's where like a lot of the either spiritual or religious people get lost is like... It's only part of the equation. Sure. You can't just like say prayers and then like do nothing. And then it happens. That's not how it works. Drake has a line that I love. It's like, I'm the type to say a prayer and go get what I just prayed for. Right, right. And but like, what that should show you is you need the hard work. You need the hard work. Right. The prayer is, and I'm not incredibly spiritual or religious. I, I would say I'm more spiritual than religious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same. But it's, I, I think for me, it's 
that prayer is whatever whatever you want to call it, however you want to define it, it's you being able to verbalize what it is you want and what where it is you want to go, right? And it's I, I haven't I haven't known every path. Like I, it's the last six years has been wild for me. It's been New York to L.A., L.A. to Vegas, Vegas to Charlotte to Nashville, right? Like, and I wouldn't have told you I would lived in any of these places and done half of these things by now, right? Like I, I looked back recently I just sort of was pontificating a little bit with as I tend to do with my girlfriend I guess she's is God she, bless her she's is incredibly she, with you to Nashville? she is not yet so she eventually will um, right now she is um, under contract with a, a local television station she's an incredibly gifted anchor and has done you know amazing things in, in, in local news and again she is I think in that that point where she's looking around the industry going, what's the right move for me next? So, and, and, you know, I, I, I think I've had a, an incredible journey, but I look at her and, and she's born and raised in the Philippines, moves over here after her mother dies. Her mother dies when she's 17 years old. That's the, you know, that was her parent growing up. She didn't know her father until much later on. And she moves to an entirely different country. This is not her native language. And she is now paid to communicate in that language and be in front of the camera. I mean, it's, I look at her and I'm like in awe of things, right? And like, again, we can sit here and look at my resume and go, that's incredibly impressive. And I'm like, yeah, but I can't imagine moving to Italy and then suddenly becoming an on-air broadcaster (laughs) to communicate, you know, like in an entirely different language that is not a native one. Well, I would throw that into the part of the reason why you're so successful too is it's necessary to have a healthy level of ego, but it's necessary to have a healthy level of humility. hundred percent. You, and you've always had humility. hundred um, percent. That's something that I've recently developed. I didn't always have humility. I don't think, but I definitely have developed it. And it's a huge, aspect. it was part of your journey though, right? Like you were, you had to start off with the ego and I didn't start off with the ego. I didn't have the same confidence in high school. You did. I didn't have that same confidence even through college. Right? So, it's, I had to develop the confidence part. I've had the humility, right? Like it's, yeah. So it's just understanding what tools you were given right at the start. Like everyone's dealt a hand. Self-awareness is huge. 100%. No, knowing what you have. 100%. And it's, for me, I've had to kind of develop that ego and understand you need to walk tall. You need to hold your head up high. You need to walk into rooms confident. You do. Because then people will respect it. They see it and they, un- fellow people that are, are confident, will respect and, and see those others that walk tall and understand it too. Now, is that line very fine between cocky and confident? It's cliche, but it, I think it's 100% true, right? Like it's, you can see the folks that are incredibly cocky. You can also see folks that walk that line of, I know what I'm doing. I've been here before. I can do it. It doesn't matter whether it's in a business conference room. It doesn't matter if it's at Wendy's, right? If you're the, if you're the top guy there or gal, you have to walk tall, right? And it'll help you get into other rooms. 100%. You have to, you have to, but my nano used to instill it upon me. And that's part of the reason mm-hmm. I, I had an ego when I was younger. <laughs> um, was I used to be told, if you don't believe in yourself, nobody will believe in you. Yeah. And if I, if I didn't say I was the best at something, I would get like mm-hmm. reprimanded. Yeah. And then through my years and lessons life gave me, it was like, oh shit, okay, cool. There's a way to do it and manage and balance. And then, and then the other really important thing by that too, is I'm sure you can attest to this as well, is when you do carry yourself with that way, but then you give other people the spotlight or you listen to them, they step up. Mm-hmm. But if you're somebody that shows no confidence, you give them the spotlight or the whatever, they might step into it super nervous. Well, I think that's part of leadership, right? Like you, you being able to shine light on someone else shows your leadership and it offers them the opportunity to then grab the moment and seize it, right? Like, and I, I've had a, a couple of opportunities and the, the guy that um, was my associate producer that became a producer at, at DraftKings, who now produces Michael and Michael's podcast and produces Brent, I helped him along the way, right? Like he, he it wasn't that I grabbed him and showed him everything, right? Like I didn't dump knowledge into him and all of a sudden he's this great producer out of left field. He had showed an interest. He had showed enthusiasm. He was intelligent, right? And he showed these qualities and became a hard worker. And it was like, okay, what is he lacking? Opportunity. So let me give an opportunity to him. Let him produce a show. Let me then show it to the bosses and say, okay, here's what he can do. 
we're not utilizing this this chip enough. And what what I think enough people don't realize is in that moment, I look good. Because 100%. the bosses now have said, oh, Steve's able to identify talent and he's able to develop it. And that's the thing that a lot of people don't realize either is that actually gives you more power. It's when you give power away. 100%. Is, 100%. And it, and it shows others, okay, I can trust this guy. It, for me in that moment, it was... Again, I go back to the leadership thing. I've always wanted to be a leader. Since I was in the middle of that huddle in, in, on the lacrosse field, not really understanding, but just trying to hype everyone up, I knew in that moment we needed the excitement, right? We needed to galvanize around one message and then go out and, and do what we would do. I knew in those moments, like I had done leadership courses in high school and leadership programs around Syracuse. So I knew, I've always known I wanted to be a leader. I just didn't have the platform to do it. And you kind of have to carve it out and develop it along the way and wait for your opportunity. And when I got it, it was, okay, now how can I, again, show that spotlight? How can I provide that platform to someone else? Because in my mind, if that person succeeds and I have identified that person and I've identified that trait, it then shows my ability to think at a different level. That's, dude, that's yeah. beautiful. That's, um, yo, man, I, I'm super proud of you. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Likewise. Thank you. Likewise. Thank you. Um, I, I think that we, uh, the fireworks are going off and take that as a cue. Um, but, but I did it. It's a blessing to have Steve Bond on the executive producer, busting with the boys amongst many other things. Um, <laughs> next, you know, next time I'm in Nashville, I'll hit you up. Please do. Uh, Thank you for having me on my man. This was a, a, a tremendous pleasure and an honor. Yeah. What a random, but awesome. We a hundred percent. I knew we were going to have some kind of cool interviews. We have a couple coming up too, but yeah. that was, when I heard you in town, I was like, dude, I got to get Bond on. <laughs> Well, I'm I'm grateful that you would think of me for this, for yeah, sure. For sure, so. man. For sure. So, again, uh, free game productions, free, unrestricted, uncontrolled, out of the prison, game, um, something that has a set, start, and end, you know, life, advice, uh, free game productions, and thanks for thanks for being on here, man. Thank you. Appreciate and thank it. you to Danielle for being our producer today. Her 100%. first time. Her first time. You did wonderful. <laughs> <laughs>